When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Raina Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, rave line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Can, can I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch, claw, up against the wall. Can't explain that what I'm feeling right now, guys. I can't believe it. Let's open up that rave Woohoo! Oh, I can't believe USD has hired Lincoln Riley. Oh, yeah. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Random Troy Radio, episode 499, coming to you on Monday, August 27th. We're going to look back at USC's 56-28 win over the San Jose Spartans. Look at it with a new eye after it's been a couple of days after we talked about it in the car cast and so much more. As always, you can talk to us on Twitter at Reign of Troy. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Reign of Troy. Our email address is Reign of Troy at fansite.com and our phone number into the rant line, 818-643-7227. I'm your host, Michael Castillo, joined along with my co-host here in the Reign of Troy studio in Los Angeles, Lisa Daratola. Hello, everybody. We are back for another episode of, uh, of Reign of Troy Radio, the first uh, recap episode of the season. Um, I'm super excited for this because we get to unveil the rant line in a few minutes. We haven't done that in a long time. It has been a while. It's back. We're ready for it. Yeah, absolutely. Big shout out to everybody joining us live on YouTube in the chats. Uh, we've got Ernesto, Tim, Fighting on MC, Ramamurti, Dan. Uh, we've Trinesis here. Bunch of people are here. Um, Reverend Murdy says, "What's the plan to celebrate episode 500?" Of course, this is 599. I don't think there is one because it's not really episode 500. It's the 500th full episode, you mainline know, episode. But it's not like our 500th recording. But I think I don't know. We can do something. You know what we should do? We should have people call into the rant line and just let us know what 500 episodes of Random Troy Radio has meant to them. There you go. Yeah, if it if it means something to you, call us 818-643-7227. Uh, call into the rant line and uh, and we'll do that. Um, by the way, you know it means a lot to, to us. I know that Randy Troy might mean something to you, but what does it mean to us? Reviews. Reviews mean a lot to <laughs> us. Uh, and we got a bunch of reviews last week. Um, let's start with five stars we got from He Hate B. It says, love the podcast, fight on, great podcast for all SC football news and analysis. Love the random food takes. 
Although Michael is crazy with this food, can't be touching other food on the plate thing. Great listen and great content. Fight on. It's not crazy. It's just smart. It's a reason the kids do it too, because kids are conceptually there. I, I would, I would say. <laughs> Uh, five stars from Nevada, USC. Rock keeps me in USC country. I live in North Lake Tahoe, which is not exactly in the heart of USC country, despite being many alums, um, despite there being many alums that call Tahoe home. Renatroy prepares me for the season, primes me for game week, and helps me recap after the game. Love the show, and I'm looking forward to hopefully a very special football season. Fight on. Uh, five stars from I'm here so I don't get fined. Rot is awesome. I love this podcast with Mike and Alicia fight on and bring on more avatar length shows like the season preview. I just finished. I swear it was light outside when it started. <laughs> LOL. I mean, that is, that has been our specialty in the past. We have been known to do two and a half pushing three hour shows. So, you know, when we yeah. can, when it's possible, we love it. That's what we do. Uh, last one is five stars from uh, Eastside Soul. It says, really good. I love Michael and Alicia's fun and informative energy. The car cast is clutch, takes her fun, and sometimes spicy. Only spicy to the level that Michael and I can handle spiciness, which is uh, very low. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm dabbling with some spice. I, I just recently... Put cayenne in in things in in, in a in a pot of beans, and yeah, it was too spicy for you and me. It was a little on the spicy side, but like here's here's I think I have found a new way to describe to people what level of spice is my limit. Um, chipotle beans are too spicy for me. Whereas I like chipotle beans, but it's definitely like burning my lips. It's the the peak possible thing for me. For sure. You know what else is spicy? Our friends over at DraftKings. Of course, this episode is brought to you by DraftKings. Uh, because USC fans, have you signed up for DraftKings yet? If you're a new user, you can receive 150 bucks in bonus bets instantly after following just three steps. Create an account, deposit, and then wager five bucks on any sport. Whether your first wager wins or loses, you'll still receive the $150 in bonus bets. All you have to do is is use the code Reign of Troy, all one word when you sign up. The best part is using our code Reign of Troy not only gets you the bonus, but also supports the podcast. If you're considering signing up for DraftKings, definitely use our code Reign of Troy to maximize those first bets. The offer is only available to new customers who are 21 plus and physically present in legal gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly and check the episode description for the full terms of the offer. Yes, indeed. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so big big shout out to DraftKings for, for supporting us, uh, which allows us to do things like running down the rant line. Alicia, the rant line is back. You guys called in. You guys, the Rotbots, called in. Here's what you guys had to say after USC's, uh, after and during uh, USC's 56-28 win over San Jose State on Saturday. 
Raina Troy Radio. What's up? This is Dave from Orange County. Hi, guys. Trinise from the West Side. Hey, Raina Troy. It's Dan from Valley Village. Michael on the 563. Darlene from Grand Terrace. Hey, Raina Troy. This is L.A. Fred. Can we first take a moment's pause to give thanks for the return of the rant line, or as more often last year and hopefully throughout this year, the rave line? I missed it last year. So freaking pumped to be calling in for the first time in what feels like forever. Just uh, calling to say off Awesome win. I loved it. It was fun. I was there with my son. We had a great time. It was very hot. But, uh, you know, I found myself uh, laughing a little bit because uh, my kid's almost seven. And if you know kids, they have no filter. And he was in the stand pretty much summarizing our team like this. Offense, good. Defense, bad. Literally his words. And I was like, that is very astute. This is exactly the reason why so many Rotbots are ecstatic about the rent line coming back because we get to call at halftime a little inebriated, a lot pissed off, so disappointed. We want to call for people's heads. Um, I wish I was calling in to rave, but I'm actually calling in to rant. Great win. But what's worse, Lincoln Riley's assessment of a defensive coordinator or Alex Grinch as a defensive coordinator? It's freaking San Jose State. I don't want to go so far as to say that we're struggling with them, but we're certainly not waxing them. They didn't fix their issues. They didn't solve any problems. We got defensive blocks all left and right. This is just ridiculous stuff. What the hell was that at the end of the first half? Not only does Caleb screw up, the defense must have been expecting a field goal attempt and let the guy get behind him. I was just hoping that they would make a play. So I was more or less biting my nails because I was like, don't screw this up. Please. Please do something well. We're blitzing on third and 28? Like, is this freaking amateur hour? Are we playing Madden with children? Like, what is this? Not the level that we need to be. We want better. We want playoffs this year. And Grinch, you need to step up your game. You need to get these guys in order. It's very distinctly reminding me of Mark Few tinkering with his lineup, tinkering with things in the non-conference sort of games that are just like very winnable for you and you're just trying to sort out what to make of your team, which was very kind of frustrating to watch because these games count and they were kind of playing it like this is scrimmage preseason type thing, which is a little bit frustrating. The offense took a while to get going. I want to focus for a second on the positive. We got to see plenty of new guys making their first getting their first playing time with USC. There was a big rotation of guys used on both sides of the ball, which is only going to help further the development depth that we're going to need as the season progresses. Now, it's clear to everybody that they can see this roster is getting better, as there are some serious dudes on it now. Zachariah Brant. Yo. Yo. Woo! That Zachariah Branch is electric. It's like Ben Franklin flying his darn kite out there on the field. He is electricity personified. The kid is different. He is a playmaker. He is like that. Is that guy fun to watch run with a ball in his hands? So fun. I hope teams still kick to him for the next couple weeks. Caleb was uh, Caleb. You know, he got the magical stuff that goes on with this big 70-yard-plus touchdown. Oops, kind of dropped the ball because whatever, and then uh, somehow find a way to make that touchdown. So it's always fun to watch that guy play, and I'm going to try to cherish as much as his season that we can this year because this is truly a special thing that we get to watch with a USC football. Caleb just doing Caleb. Great to see. Now, sure, we all saw things that need to get worked on things that need to get cleaned up. But can we all just enjoy being 1-0? and 
isn't this a heck of a lot better than how things were under the Helton regime? I know I have a lot more fun watching the games with Lincoln Riley and his staff. That's what it's like to be a USC fan in 2023, and we're just glad that Brandon Troy is there to celebrate it and embrace our craziness throughout the season. So to all the Rapots out there, win number one. Let's keep on going. Have a great week and fight on, everybody. Fight on. Fight on. Fight out. Fight on. Fight on. Fight on. Go Trojans. Beat the Wolfpack. There we go. The rant line is back. Big shout out to everybody who got in a call. As always, you can get in your calls for next week. USC and Nevada playing on Saturday afternoon. 818-643-7227 is the phone number. Alicia, what were your thoughts? I just love the I love the rant line. I love the rap bots. I think they mm-hmm. said it all. Uh, we always get some really good analysis from people, and then we always get some just like funny lines from people, and it's just the yeah. the, the the mix there is just wonderful. So thank you to everybody who called in because it's it's generally one of my favorite things about like a Monday is, and that was my first listen through on on that. And usually it is. Uh, sometimes I get a preview of it, but a lot of times it's just my first time listening and enjoying it right there with everybody as well. Yeah, uh, the artist formerly known as Jabroni Jabber Brody in the chat says, sign up that kid, Dan's kid. Um, that's better analysis than most of the people on ESPN. <laughs> Ex- yeah, exquisite, is, is yeah. astute uh, way of putting it, just as uh, Dan from Valley Village mentioned. Um, yeah, again, 818 643 uh, seven two two seven is the phone number. Uh, we'll be sure to throw that in the epi- in the um, the podcast description as well as we go forward, uh, so you can grab it there, save it into your phone, and call uh, in the middle of the Nevada game, after the Nevada game, whatever. You can also call in the middle of the week and ask questions for the mailbag as well. But Alicia, we got a lot to get to uh, talking about the USC San Jose State game. So let's take a quick break and then uh, get into that stuff, shall we? Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Let's talk about it. USC wins over San Jose State 56-28. Week zero, the Trojans are uh, 1-0. I, I believe this is, it was listed on the, the postgame show, 17 straight uh, home wins for USC in the season opener. Mm-hmm. Dating back to, I, I think it's Kansas State was the was the most recent loss in 2001 um, at home. Um it's been a couple of days. We obviously talked about it a lot in the car cast, the highs and the lows of it. Uh, the highs, of course, the 56 points, the lows, the 28 points allowed. Um, it's sort of funny how the scoreline kind of, kind of dictates things there. Uh, the Trojans go into this season knowing that they need to improve on the defense, uh, but ultimately still surrender um, a lot of points. Um, Alicia, it's, it's been a couple of days. What, what is your, uh, thought process been the, the last 48 hours um hmm. i so i i didn't re-watch the game in full i ended up watching um several compilation videos that i found on youtube 
Um, I do like to to watch the like Pac-12 in 60, sort of the longer cut of it. Yeah. Uh, but it obviously we need it ahead of you know a Monday recording. Um, what I what I went in expecting to feel after my rewatch is not what I ended up feeling. Like I thought, and I've seen a lot of people calm down their takes about their sort of first impression of the game. And I'm going to be honest, I didn't change my opinion about the game at all on rewatch. And that does happen a lot. Uh, a lot of times, you know, I'm a very, I'm a very passionate person and I, I go off and, you know, my, my car cast rants are, are part of the fun. Right. And then on Sunday I, I sit and watch the game and I think, you know what, I was probably, I was being a little harsh there or, or, you know, I, I need to sort of calm it down. It's going to be okay. All that kind of stuff. And it's not that I'm sitting here saying like, it's, you know, it's all over guys. Like it's all over. Cause I wasn't saying that on Saturday night either, but the game, the game was exactly what I thought it was on rewatch. The, mm-hmm. the, my perception of the game was precisely what I remember it being. Um, the players who stood out to me while watching the game were the ones that stood out to me while rewatching. And the issues that stood out to me while watching the game were the same things that stood out to me while rewatching. So I come away feeling just as good about the offense being outstanding because that's what Lincoln Riley offenses are. Yeah. And just as concerned about the defense because no, my, my, my concern level is still relatively high after giving up 28 points to San Jose state. Uh, My concern level is still high because of the way that those 28 points were scored and I think you can talk yourself into saying like oh uh it's it's game one which it absolutely is and it's too early to tell which it absolutely is um and they were treating it like a preseason game where they were like a scrimmage where they were you know rotating in and out which was absolutely the case yeah but I think my biggest issue here is is still that there were tactical errors, there were concentration errors, there were um, players being put in positions that it didn't feel like they were going to succeed from those positions. Too much was being asked of players, it seemed to me. Um, and that that is a concern to me, that I'm not necessarily willing to sit here and say, you just got to wait and see how things develop because I've sat here and said that myself several years and I'm just sort of, I'm out of patience on that front. I'm not willing to do it. So yeah, the defense was, was not encouraging and that's sort of where I'm sitting. Yeah. For me, I I think that um, I'm with you Um, at the same time. I, I look at this a couple of days removed and the more I look back on it, I think that there are things where I, th- I think in the heat of the moment, you, you focus on um, maybe some of the negatives a little bit too much um, in the sense that, you know, what, one of the things that, that got tweeted out yesterday, um, Sunday was from uh, Antonio Morales from the athletic it says, according to True Media Sports, there were 43 USC players who received 10 snaps or more on offense or defense last night. It was clear the Trojan staff wanted to see what they had with certain players. Yeah, I, you, you mentioned the, like, the preseason element of it. I think 
that's a lot what a lot of it was. Um, now it wasn't like an NFL style um, preseason game where you know like you some have, players are playing the first quarter and yeah, <laughs> like the the first quarter and, and whatnot. I think that if it would have been sort of that situation, I think it would have been easier to find the delineation between like you know this group was you know performed well this group needs to get better and and whatnot and surely you can you can break down some of the subgroups there uh another tweet that that we wanted to highlight on this episode was from shotgun over at uscfootball.com who says what kind of impact did eric gentry have on the usc defense in the in the season opener here's the six full drives that he played three and out two yards three and out one yard the two-minute TD, four plays, 46 yards right before the half. Three and out, five yards. Three and out, five yards. And then a six-play drive for 20 yards with one first down. And we talked about it in the car cast that the defense was really boomer bust, right? Like, either they were holding teams to three and outs, or holding San Jose State to three and out, or they were giving up touchdown drives. You kind of see like a lot of those three and outs were with Eric Gentry on on the field, and if what you know happened with Eric Gentry out there, maybe instead of Taka Curtis, the true freshman, starting in his first game, again maybe we have a different takeaway of what the defense is. I think that it's important to sort of look at all these things. It is the first game of the year. There are guys who are. Um, we, we know there's guys who are coming off of injury, like like Eric Gentry, someone who missed all of spring camp. We know that there's uh, true freshmen who started the game, like Tackett Curtis. We know that there's guys who haven't played a football game in this system yet, like Mason Cobb. There's going to be rotational things. We, we saw all the different dudes get in the action. Um, on the first drive of the game, like four plays in, they already had Elijah Hughes on the defensive line, a true freshman that I don't think that we expected to get as much run as he did, right? And he was out there literally on, like, the fourth play of the game. So right. I, I think all these things should allow us to have a more lenient approach with the idea of you can't ex- – like, we are, we are judging this USC defense based on they need to improve from where they were last December, right? Uh, and last January. Well, it's it's not even September, right? It's it's August. Like the the whole thing about college football is you get better as the season goes on. You get better at like what you are in in week one isn't what you are in week fifteen, well, and this is week zero. Like even before then, that's the hope, though. And again, it is the, the, hope. the yeah. thing that we're always saying as a word of caution to ourselves and to our viewers and listeners is that real college football doesn't work the way that ncaa football does or a video game where just because you get the experience points in your in your bucket doesn't mean that you grow in terms of your skills absolutely so i think that's why i'm i'm not as willing to sit back and say that the problems that usc had last year are going to be solved through the progression of time Mm -hmm. because the problems that usc had last year they have added talent and still had much of the same issues. Now I'm, I'm absolutely willing to sit back and say like for, for someone like Tackett Curtis. Yeah. It's asking a lot of him to step in as a true freshman and start that game for someone like Damani Jackson, who has been injured, serious Mm -hmm. injured injuries over the past few years. 
to go out there and get the start. Like, I'm not surprised that he was at the scene of the crime on a few of, on a few of those plays. Right. I'm not surprised. You also missed an interception that if he, he snagged mm-hmm. that interception. We feel a lot different. That, that's a drive that I believe San Jose State goes on to score. Yeah. Uh, that takes points off the, 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 off the board and everybody's, the board and there. everybody's feeling better. Yes. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I'm also not surprised that, you know, Mason Cobb had a, a little bit of an up and down game. I, sure. You know, I thought he was really good in moments and, and clearly, uh, not in the right, not that he was out of position, but like, like not a, not capable of making the play for, for one reason or another, um, mm-hmm. on, on several plays. Like, so I, I'm willing to, accept that right right but at the same time i think you have to be honest about this performance in the sense that yeah you can point to those guys but also kaylin bullock was at the scene of the crime and max williams was at the scene of the crime Mm -hmm. and solomon bird was at the scene of the crime Right, and those are veteran dudes. Sierra wright was at the scene of the crime jalen smith was at the scene of the crime these are all guys who played most of last year at USC in this defense. Mm -hmm. So if they're also making the mistakes, I, again, it's early season rust. I, I, I'm willing to sort of soften the criticism a little bit on that front, but it's a concern because if anybody on your team is going to sort of be ahead of schedule in terms of their in season development, like you want those guys to be the guys that are holding down the fort. And yet when I'm, you know, writing down my notes as I'm rewatching the game, it's like, man, I, I really didn't wish I didn't have to write his name down again. Like, man, I really wish I didn't have to highlight him as like a, an issue that this was, this was part of the, part of the issue. And so it's those kinds of things that make me worry that it really is a coaching problem, mm-hmm. a development problem within, within the structure of USC is that USC. And again, like, I want to make it very clear when I am critical of individual players, um, unless those guys are four year starters in the fourth year of a system and like all of those kinds of stuff, like the buck always stops at the coaches because if guys are making the same mistakes they were making last year, then the coaches didn't do a very good job of, of, um, of, of correcting the mistakes and fixing them. Or the coaches didn't do a very good job of recognizing that the player was not capable of fixing the mistakes and not putting them in the firing line. So like that is a, major concern. Yeah, I agree. I, I'm I'm with you hundred percent of the way there. I think I think for me it goes da- back to what we talked about where what are the what are those mistakes? Are those mistakes on the execution side? Are those mistakes players being put in the in poor positions? Because those are sort of two different things. And I think the mistakes where you look at where that is a decision made by the coaching staff um, the third and 22, for instance, um, and that clip sort of went viral with a tweet from Jeff Schwartz on on mm-hmm. on Sunday. And you have a different look at it from sort of like an all 22 angle. And I, you know, we still feel the same way, right? Like, like that's a, a decision where SC is in a blitz. There's, you know, there's, there's guys, there, there's blitzers, Tackett Curtis is blitzing. Um, Mason Cobb is there at, at linebacker and he's he's in man coverage on the running back. And it's one an instance where I understand. I understand that you want to put man coverage on the running back because you should expect on third and twenty-two, you're probably gonna face a screen. Yeah. So I get the inclination to sort of want that idea, right? 
but you also have a mobile quarterback, so why don't you just drop into a zone so you can keep everything in front of you, including the running back and the quarterback potentially, and you can pivot if you need to. And so the, the, a coaching mistake like that, I think absolutely is one of those things that you want to not see in week one because that shouldn't take development the same way, say, a missed tackle would. And I think that one of the bright sides for SC in this game is that the mistackling things weren't all over the place. Like the mistackling was a huge issue against Utah in the Pac-12 championship game, right? Against UCLA, against Tulane, where struggles to wrap up and suddenly a guy breaks four tackles and, you know, runs, runs for a, a score that you could have stopped them for a third down or, or whatever it is, right? Like you didn't see those kind of things. I think that, um, is something that, that's a little bit better. Obviously, you're not going to be the, the the greatest tackling team. Every fan thinks their ta- their team doesn't tackle. Literally, Alabama fans hate how their team tackles too, right? Like that is just a a common thing uh, across football. But so I, I look back at it and it's like the the 28 points. You, you got to get better and all that with all this rotation. Whatever. I, I honestly don't care. I, I, I want to see development in week two. The frustrating thing is that when you look back and, and see the mis- big mistakes are guys being put in places where they couldn't succeed or it makes it very difficult for them to succeed, like running man coverage on third and 22 in a blitz situation, which you shouldn't be blitzing, and putting Mason Cobb out to dry in a, in a play which he probably executes it uh, incorrectly on top of that, like, you know, those are the things that you need to not, those are the mistakes you need to not make in week, week zero. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's about putting your positions, your players in position to succeed. Yeah. And one of the things that I have seen a criticism of, of Grinch, uh, over the last two days that I think is very valid is that Grinch is, feels like Grinch is exotic for the sake of being exotic. Like he, the the idea is to just go out there and throw coverages and things that that make the offense, you know, not, not know what's going on, try to confuse the offense, which is definitely something that you hear philosophically all the time from defensive coordinators or offensive coordinators talking about difficulties facing defenses. They talk about how like, oh, you know, or when we're previewing a, a, a team, we, we look at their defense and say, you know, they do a really good job of like disguising their coverages and making it making right. it not certain what they're what they're seeing. And then you have in the NFL something like Sam Darnold talking about how he was seeing ghosts out there because and that's because the defensive coordinator is making it difficult for him to understand what the defense is doing. So there's merit in that. But it feels like Grinch either doesn't have the instinct at this point in his career for how to execute that. Or he's trying to do things because some like guidebook said that he was supposed to do it instead of fitting number one, what his players are capable of, number two, what the strengths yeah. of his players are, number three, what the context around his players are. So like I it reminds me of like the USC offensive coordinators where we talk about like T Martin and the gumbo offense or Graham Harrell and the his flawed spread, his flawed air raid. Like it's like you have the con- like you get the concept. Like I, I see what you're trying to do. You're just mm-hmm. not that good at doing it, and it's because 
you're just sort of like playing dress up almost instead of being actually the thing, the thing that you're trying to be. So it's almost like USC's defense is, is it's the gumbo defense. Like, you know what it reminds me of is I remember when Graham Harrell got hired and our friends over at Traveler Hates Thursdays uh, talked to uh, one of the SB Nation guys. I can't remember the name off the top of my head. Apologies there. And they were talking about, he was a Texas guy who was talking about what it was like to, what, what defenses were like um, in the air raid when you have Graham Harold there. Um, or or wh- how the how the the big the game in the Big Ten big, sorry the Big Twelve is different than in the Pac twelve and the idea was defenses completely sell out to stop the run and they they are blitz heavy because their focus is if we can make this a shootout we have more confidence in our offense to out execute your offense and so all we need to do really is make one or two more stops on defense. And we win the game, and I think that I, I you, when you, when you look at what you know Grinch and the defense talk about, and what Lincoln Riley and and talks about about the defense, they're not saying those things. But I think that you can you can look at the performances <laughs> and see that. those things yeah. because I think the way that this defense does play, they they it almost as if the simplistic view is we are playing to win a sixty minute game. And by how do you play to win a 60-minute game? You need to score more than the other team. Okay. Well, then how do you need to do that? You need to – we have an offense that we know is going to score a touchdown on 80% of our drives, and so therefore we need to not allow touchdowns on 80% of our drives. So if we can get a turnover on a quarter of those, simple math says we win the game, right? Like just very basic – it, it all checks out, right? And so last year, there was a, there was a comment in the chat um, that the that the missed tackles, this is from, from Joe in the chat, says the missed tackles were, were a, from a lot of strip attempts. And yes, mm-hmm. in that Utah game, there were like three dudes trying to strip the ball. And in they, this game on Saturday, there was the same thing after a long run. The, the long run in, mm-hmm. in, the, uh, in the fourth quarter that San Jose State had, yeah, mm-hmm. it was, it wasn't gang tackled the guy, it was try to strip the guy, right? Yeah. And so I think there is that mentality of we are going to blitz all night and force Chevin Cordero to throw an interception or force uh, a strip and get and get the turnover because if you just add up the drives, we will score more than they will score. And I think there's that mentality there um, with how it plays out. I don't think that's exactly what they're trying to do in the sense of what they're saying, because if you listen to the players, I was, I was over on YouTube last week looking at the videos from our friends over at uscfootball.com where they were interviewing the defensive players, and they were talking about, like, every drive we need to get a three and out. Like, that that's what the goal is. They're not literally talking about we need to just hopefully we get a turnover every quarter so that way our, our drives check out to where we score more points in the end. Right. But... It almost ends up working. But out the that root way. philosophy, I mean, the root philosophy is to get a turnover or get three and out every drive and, and have it just be over. But the root philosophy of a of aggression, right? Of the idea that you're blitzing and mm-hmm. you're throwing exotic coverages to maybe bait the quarterback into making a mistake and throwing the interception or or, you know, sending 
sending Corey Foreman out into coverage because who would expect that? That's completely unexpected. Right. And then DTR throws the ball right to him. Like all of those kinds of things. I there's a philosophical sort of underlying thing that was is 100 what you what you are getting at. It's the idea of if we just create enough havoc, we will set up a situation where we will give our offense the the opportunity to just, to just outscore them, which is interesting because Andy Staples, you know, we talked about that um, the Jeff Schwartz tweet about the the exotic pressure on third and twenty two and how it was just like. You know, Schwartz said USC's defense would be better if they just let the front front four go to work. Yeah. And Andy Staples replied to that tweet, this DC isn't used to having a front four that can dominate. Didn't at OU, didn't use it when he was co-DC at Ohio State. And he had 225-pound Hercules Mata'afa playing DT at Washington State. Curious to see if he knows how to let 300-pound five-stars be 300-pound five-stars. But but Which, can't we go back to the idea that Hercules Mata'afa was the best player in the Pac-12 on defense that year? Right? Yes, yes. But Hercules Mata'afa at DT was necessary, where theoretically, if you took Hercules Mata'afa and you put him on USC's team, you don't need to play him at DT. Right. You get to have Bear Alexander or Keon Bars be your DT and have Hercules Mata'afa killing people off the edge, mm-hmm. which is great. But I think it, it does go to sort of the, the philosophical idea that I that I know Alex Grinch has to grow out of, and I think... Lincoln Riley has to grow out of, which is the idea that they can get away with the defensive philosophy of, like you said, that sort of ingrained Big 12 um, mentality where you aren't going to be recruiting the best defensive linemen, the 300-pounders. So Basically, they need to trust their defensive playmakers like they trust their offensive playmakers, right? Yes, trust the guys that are out there and lean on the guys that are out there to do the job that they're that they're good at doing. And and I mean on the plus side I suppose is if it's the mentality issue like it's easier to change that than to say change the personnel that USC has available to them right now. Yeah. Um but it does require understanding like understanding what it is that went wrong. And my worry is that Grinch and everybody will go back and watch film and look at it and say, well, it's not that our play calls were wrong. It's that you guys didn't execute our play calls, Um, which is sort of the thing that we talked about with USC offensive coordinators forever was it was like play calling is always a, a a hard thing to to evaluate because so often we judge the we justify the 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 ends justify the means right or or you know in, in vice versa where if a play goes wrong people assume that it was a bad play call um when it could have been a perfectly acceptable play call it's just you needed the execution mm-hmm. but for years for years i sat there and was like okay yes i understand that but you have an offensive line that is not capable of doing what you're asking them to do it. Like you have guards that are not capable of pulling the way that you're asking them to pull. So stop asking them to pull. It was a misunderstanding of, of the personnel. It was a misunderstanding of the capabilities of the offense Mm -hmm. and everything was, everything was worse because of it. Like we talked forever 
that USC was the most talented team in the Pac-12. So why were they why were they always losing to you know lesser talented teams? And it was because the lesser talented teams understood who they were and what they were and 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 understood you know the strengths and weaknesses of of their of their defense or of their offense or of their whatever. And I don't know that Alex Grinch understands. Like Cam Life in the chat says, play straight up. Stop overloading one side and leaving a gap, uh, leaving running lanes wide open. Like, does Alex Grinch understand that with Bear Alexander in the middle of that defense, he can play straight up? Does, like, does he understand that? I, I don't think he understands that based on, on the Washington State game. Can he learn that? Can he can he grow to understand that USC's defensive front that they can that they can maybe lean on the front four a little bit more straight up that they can maybe lean on their corner maybe they can trust their corners to just play you know man to man if they need them to or or um can they trust that if they go into a zone on third and twenty two that people are going to be in the right position and you know and 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 get the job done. I I I still feel like there's not not that that's that's sort of not the philosophy that USC is bringing to the table. Alex Grinch is coaching like he has to outwit the other side instead of just letting his talent out talent the other side. Well, I mean the the flip side about this is that if the talent strictly dominated, it would cover up a lot of these things too, right? Like if the if the the blitzes were paying off so much that the that these guys were winning the bl- the 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 blitz so right off the snap, it could mask a lot of these so, things, right? Like if Tech Curtis is- gets home immediately on third and twenty two, we're talking about like oh wow he was he was sti- like, like you have the 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 result bias of. Well, they, they got home and they covered up these things. It, it's right, like the, last the, year with the, with the, the, problem, with the turnovers, right? But that's part of the problem, though, because like that third and 22, they crashed that right side of the line and absolutely overwhelmed the pocket. Right. But in doing so, gave Cordero the the, the green light to just take off. Like, there's something to the idea that you're like, you can be too good at getting the pressure in but if nobody uh if if the quarterback is alive to it and understands that he needs to move you got to understand the second wave and and how how it can break down because you you go back and watch that play from the end from the end zone shot and yeah they, they get in and cordero has to escape to his left well, if Mason Cobb didn't go to his left, which is Mason, which is Cordero's right, mm-hmm. he's in position to potentially make the tackle or at least take away the running lane to where it's not twenty eight yards worth, right? Like, yeah. So yeah, but also if you're in a zone, you have somebody there able to cover that play. If, like, if you you're know. going to if you're going to blitz part of the part of the dudes. Put the other ones in the zone. I to, mean, to cover them that's up, right? that, that's all I'm saying. Like yes. it's just, it's just one of those things where you can keep it more simple and just let your athletes athlete. Yeah. And um, I, I think that's the frustrating thing that that we're seeing is 
yeah, last year, I don't know that USC had enough of the athletes to athlete. It right. feels like now you kind of do. Um, yeah. And then, and then from that point, then but you, from but you that still point, need to put the, put them in a position to succeed. But then on, like, on top of that. then instead of maybe spending as much time teaching them the concept behind a, you know, an inverted cover two and all this kind of stuff that is all that, maybe you spend more time like in Solomon Bird's ear saying, Hey, I know you want to pin your ear back and get to the quarterback, but also like you need you need to hold your like you need to hold your edge. You need to be conscious of where the quarterback can escape. And guess what? USC would have had a bunch of sacks in that game if dudes on the edges had just been a little bit more patient and let Cordero come to them. Like to to a certain point, you have to teach that to your guys. And that was a mis- that was an issue last year. It's been an issue for a long time. So it, it's just one of those things where maybe spend spend less time on the complicated concepts and more time on the individual positional mm-hmm. like skills and tactics I, I don't know yeah and and you know to, to there's there's conversation in the chat about Taka Curtis is his his age and you know um Taka uh, Curtis was a true freshman making a start in his first well, collegiate appearance well, I don't he, of the, course he had busts it's fine here's like, the thing it doesn't matter what his age is. It's his first game. He's allowed to make a mistake in his first game. Like yeah. that's. I don't. Th- I don't think anyone is needs to be overly critical about Tackett Curtis, especially on uh, essentially his second drive of the game. Right. Like he's allowed to not be like, not look like the second coming of of Ray Lewis on in his first game. Right. Yeah. Like I, I don't think but- that anyone's being overly critical to the point that w- with Tackett Curtis there. I think the 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 critical nature of the third and twenty two play comes on the play call more than anything. It's yes. it's not about the individual uh, thing. I think that if there's any player, I think that that um, maybe should get some sort of criticism. It's how Mason Cobb sort of went to his left when he probably should have stayed I, I think, central. But even that's nitpicky. He shouldn't have been on him in in man coverage anyway. I think so. I think the Tackett Curtis criticism is we're also is more talking broad. about a drive. We're, not talk, we're not talking about those single play though. Like right. Tackett Curtis had a bunch of busts. Like that's yes, that but happened. He's allowed to in his first game. I mean, Solomon Bird had a bunch of really questionable plays. Right. Mason Cobb had a bunch of really questionable plays. Uh, Damani Jackson, Sierra Wright, Max Williams, etc. Like all there were a lot of guys who had. Right. Who had issues? The one I I am worried the least about certainly is Tackett Curtis, especially because as we talked about with the Eric Gentry of it all, like I think this was this was maybe a good example of how you know Tackett is a talent that you want to bring through, but it's probably asking too much of him to have him be the the number you know the number one guy on day one. You're gonna you, ideally, I think, over the next few weeks you'll develop a linebacker partnership between Mason Cobb and Eric Gentry yeah. and have Tackett be, you know, the third guy who you're putting in there to get reps and all that kind of stuff with Gentry and Cobb being your primary linebackers until Tackett proves that he's ready to take that next step, which could like ideally would be this year, but also if he doesn't take that next step until next year, that's again, that's fine. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, well, we got a bunch of stuff to get to with over under. Uh, so let's hit the over under, shall we? So you're going over. I'm feeling bold. Give me that over. I'll go under. I got to take an under here. I got three unders to take. I'm going to do an under here. 
All right, uh, let's get into the over-under. Uh, Alicia, you and I, the way this works, we each pick three over-unders. Uh, we set the lines. The other person, if I set the line, you make your pick. Uh, if you set the line, I make my pick. And we go from there, and we compete against each other. And then the Rotbots compete as well. So let's walk through the results of week one. Uh, the first over-under... Uh, was over under points. Uh, you said over under 14 and a half points for San Jose State. Uh, it was 28 points. The Spartans scored 28 points, which is an over that uh, that I get to claim there. <sighs> over win. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I was a, a poor, sweet summer child when I said that. Uh, I it It... It's a it's a line that I think is more than fair. Um, uh, SC gave up more than they should have, but at the same time, uh, fourteen was always going to be a tough one in a, in a week zero game. The, anything anything can happen with those. Uh, let's go to the next one. Um, let's see. It was passing yards two hundred and forty nine point five. Uh, Caleb Williams passing yards. Uh, I believe you took the over, and it was over. It was 278. Yeah, you. Uh, 76 <laughs> of those came on one play. And four touchdowns. Yeah. <laughs> In a quiet performance from the Heisman winner. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's go to the next one. Tight end touches. Uh, you said one and a half. I took the over on that, and it was the over. It was three. Three catches for Lake McCree. Uh, in week zero against San Jose State. I, again, uh, whenever I do the tight end things, I'm happy to be wrong. Like if I'm going to get an over-under wrong or miss the line because the tight end's got more touches, that's fine. Let's go to the next one after that, which I set the line at six and a half tackles for Mason Cobb. Uh, It ended up being under under it was six, uh, which is not what you took. Which locks me into the win there. I get the win uh, as you take the over. That was a um, good line. He, he was second on the team in tackles. Uh, first on the team was Jalen Smith, who had eight. Mm-hmm. Mason Cobb had two two tackles for loss. I, I I thought I thought Cobb had a promising game. Obviously, there were I thought so too. I, there were moments where you could certainly highlight that that he either um, either messed up or wasn't capable. Um, you know, if you could, if you could give him some of Zachariah Branch's speed to close down, <laughs> close down uh, horizontally, then uh, yeah, then that would be East West uh, would be much much improved. But you know, I th- I thought it was a promising start for him. Yeah, for he sure. Certainly goes out there and hits. Uh, let's go to the next one. Uh, over under three and a half sacks. Um, I don't know why I took the over on this because <laughs> uh, it was way under. It was it wasn't zero point five. It was half a sack. Ale- uh, Barry Alexander got half a sack credited to his name. Uh, he shared it with Solomon Bird. Uh, I thought Solomon Bird got the whole sack, but it ended up being half for Bird, half for Bear. You love a Bear Bird sack, like the like two ferocious animals coming together to get the quarterback, the Bear and the Bird. Like so that I, was all the SC got. Like I game. said, there would have been opportunities to get sacks if some of USC's defensive linemen, particularly the edge guys like Jamal Muhammad, Anthony Lucas, uh, those guys, if they had just been a little bit more patient and let Cordero come to them 
in those running lanes that he was making it through. There were sack opportunities that they were just, they, they got crowded out, you know, mm-hmm. got behind him, and then there's nothing you can do, so. All right, let's go to attendance. I set the line at 62,500. Uh, you took the over. It was over. Uh, the attendance was 63,411 announced paid attendance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sure. Oh, at least it was the over. It was it was 3,300 more than the Rice game last year. Which, if you'd have told me 3,000 people more than the Rice game, I'm like, yeah, that sounds right. So yeah, I, I, but it... Again, this is based you on have paid the attendance. returning Heisman winner. Oh, you I agree. Are number six nationally. I there were way too many empty seats for for my liking, but I'm I realized saying. that it's also my standard is yeah. unrealistic. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Even though I would argue my standard is not unrealistic, SC literally sold out the Coliseum to ninety thousand people for Hawaii in twenty twelve. That's that's yes. They didn't have the Heisman Trophy winning quarterback. And they didn't have Lincoln Riley as the head coach in 2012. I get that they were the preseason number one team. I get yeah. that part of it. But is but that this, so far off from being number six and very much a favorite? And having to the Heisman the Trophy winner and Lincoln Riley and all of, all the the positive vibes coming into this season? No, yeah. it's not different. Yeah, it really isn't. Yeah. Like if you had ninety thousand for Hawaii and every seat taken, you should the sixty three thousand yeah. is fine. But like it should look like sixty three thousand. It didn't look like sixty three thousand either. But again, I realize my standard different than the standard LA standard, and I'm just a crazy person. I get it. But this is also one of the things that we talked about during the Clay Helton era. Is um, I understood why they were conservative in their approach to whether or not to end that era in any you know twenty eighteen or anything like that. But the the decision to continue with Clay Helton in twenty eighteen eroded greatly the faith that the Los Angeles sports community and interest that the, that community had in USC football and rebuilding it is clearly taking time. Apparently. Uh, let's get to the results. Uh, I went three and three, you went three and three. So we're tied after one week of over under uh, there were 11 people, 11 Robots, who had perfect 6-0 and records. Big shout-out to A.A. Ron from Madison. Um, the artist formerly known as Jabroni Jabber Brody went 6-0. and Adam and Clinton Pittsburgh, uh, the champion from the 2021 season, uh, went perfect 6-0. and uh, Jordan from Canada went 6-0. and uh, Rourke went six and zero. Scott Cox, the awesome tier. Trenise on the west side went six and zero. Vince in, in San Diego. Uh, P Hamblin fifty five went six and zero. And Pickle went six and zero. Y'all are good. Yeah, y'all are good. Big shout out to uh, to everyone uh, having a strong game there. Uh, of course, the Vegas spread was thirty point five for the Trojans. SC wins by twenty eight. Uh, Bill Connolly's uh, S&P Plus projections uh, was SC by 34 and a half. SC was basically a touchdown off of that. Your score prediction was 50 to 9. Mine was 55-17. I was one off on USC's output, but uh, a fair bit off on San Jose State's, which we both were. So, Yeah. Shrug. 
Yeah. Watch watch me predict Nevada to score 28 points just to some for some reverse psychology going into Saturday. Yeah. Uh, well, 100%. All right. Uh, let's get into the mailbag, shall we? You've got mail. All right. We got a bunch of questions here in the chats. We also got an email from Tony and Denora PA. Uh, who says, Michael Alicia, this is Tony from the Nora PA. Uh, I didn't get to see your car cast on, on Saturday. I believe you guys started at 2 uh, East Coast time. I'm usually up watching the end of the West Coast games, but there were no uh, games in week zero, so I dozed off. I'll check it out today or tomorrow. Now on to the game. It was a good win. Caleb had a good game, and Zach is going to be a beast. The things I'm concerned about, I thought the O-line struggled a lot last night. Many mistakes in the first half on both sides of the ball. The last offensive and defensive series of the first half were bad. Caleb cannot take a sack in that situation, and we can't give up a touchdown like that in the closing seconds. I was watching the Pac-12 uh, postgame show, uh, and they mentioned that Grinch, Grinch is having these guys think too much out there instead of just reacting. I'm not going to overreact after the first game, so let's go back to practice and make some adjustments for Nevada. Fight on. Alicia, I think Tony brings up a great point on the, the half situation. Because, yes, the last offensive drive was bad for USC. They go three and outs. Uh, Caleb Williams takes a sack. It completely flips the field. It gives San Jose State the short field, the one which they hit the long pass to score right before the half. And this, to me, just underscores the value of the middle eight, right? You have to win the middle eight. The last four minutes of the first half, the first four minutes of the second half, ideally you want to book in the half with scores of your own. You can really take advantage of having back-to-back drives or at least back-to-back positive outcomes of drives to take control of games. SC was uh, in a tie game, 7-7. They come back with two straight touchdowns and they hold San Jose State to two straight three and outs to go up 21-7 to in this game. At that point... They, if they kill out the clock going into the half and they go into the half 21-7, shrug, fine, whatever. Um, you at least have the momentum on your side. You've, you've forced two straight three and outs. And even if you don't score right before the half, you at least have scored the last two touchdowns. You're feeling good about yourself. You're up double digits going into the half. Good thumbs up, right? If they score on that last drive and they put together a, you know, a, you know, 90 second drill and they come down the field and they score right before the half and they go up 28 to seven and they score with eight seconds left and then they go into the half up 28 to seven, the game is over. Yeah. You have killed off the game. San Jose State spirit is dead. You go into the half feeling like things are completely different Maybe the the plan there is to get Caleb Williams maybe one or two drives in the third quarter. You can get him out. You can start thinking about when you're going to bring in Miller Moss. The entire game changes, especially if you can come out in the second half and score on that first drive. We know that SC was getting the ball in the the start of the second half. So if they do come out in the first drive of the second half and they come out with a a score, 35-7, suddenly it's a situation where, yeah, you can start looking at Miller Moss to get in here early. It's week zero. You're treating it as a preseason game with all this rotation. You might as well uh, let Caleb Williams uh, off the hook for the rest of it, right? Mm-hmm. But no, they do 
struggle to get anything on that drive and they go three and out on offense before the half. They give up the score and now it's 21-14 and now you're in a dogfight. Now you're in a situation where on paper it looks like Caleb Williams has to be in until the fourth quarter and he was. Well, guess what? Guess what happens? In the third quarter, USC ends up with a fourth and three with the game at 21-14 that they have to convert in order to make things feel good. Like, USC goes for the fourth and three. It, it, I, I, in my notes, I highlighted it as an underrated play. Fourth and three, mm-hmm. 21-14, third quarter. Caleb Williams hits Mario Williams up the seam. If that play doesn't go off and USC turns the ball over at midfield mm-hmm. and gives San Jose State the ball with a chance to tie the game. They're sweaty palms. All very, very sweaty. Very sweaty. So, yes, yeah. it, it does matter, like you said, the, the middle eight. Yeah. Um, Joe in the chat says, with the new accelerated game clock, we lost about two more drives. Yeah. And got two more commercial breaks. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. You, you lose drives, which means everyone is that much more, more important. important. Mm-hmm. Luckily for the Trojans, they have the best offense in the world. Um they are going to take advantage of most of these situations. Uh, it's hard to be critical about one three and out that SC has in the third in the second quarter. But it's the timing um, of that three. I think it's the, it's the timing. It's the time. It's I think you are co- you are very correct to be critical of the timing of that three and out because yeah, uh, yeah it's it's nitpicky this offense to. Get, but when you are in a situation where you are going to, it's the timing of the three of the of the. In the Cotton Bowl, mm-hmm. it's the timing of when USC's offense doesn't score the touchdown. Like, right. that's the key thing. So, you know, it's it's holding USC's offense to an extremely high standard, but the defense forces you to have that high standard for the offense because you Yeah, and I always think of the UCLA-Oregon game last year. Um, if you watch that game, uh, it was fascinating because both teams are going back and forth uh, with, with touchdown drives. But in the middle of it, uh, they're going back and forth. I, I just pulled it up. Uh, it's 10-10. It's 3-3. Uh, it's 10-10. Uh, Oregon goes up 17-10. to They Then they get a stop. Uh, they force UCLA to a field goal. Uh, they score right before the half. And they, I think they, wasn't there an onside kick or something in there too? And suddenly they're up 31 to. Th- 13 at the half and it's like hold on you were just going tit for tat like how did this happen right like you get an extra drive in there you get a turnover you you force a a a stop you you get you go for an onside kick whatever that ends up being uh and suddenly things can just snowball around the middle eight and suddenly you're in you know big time control of a game that maybe you aren't worthy of, but that's fine yeah. because you are right. You, yes. You've you've created that for yourself. So, yeah. uh, and in SC situation, then being more talented than, than than San Jose State, they sort of would have been worthy of that just based on their the skill gap. So, uh, yeah, let's go to a question from Tim. Uh, so Friday we were undisputed national champs, and Sunday we'll be lucky to win seven games. What's the actual rational take? I think the actual rational take is. It was week zero. I think you just you slow down and wait. Even though I know the 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 past USC trauma of like, well, it was week zero. It was just Western Michigan. Let's just hold on and slow down and see how things go. Makes it hard. But again, remember that this is a different coaching staff than before. Um, 
I think the rational take is USC won eleven and one won eleven and one last season mm-hmm. with a defense that gave up twenty nine points per game. Yeah. Will they be? Will will they? Will it, would it be as likely for them to do that again this year with the with the arguably more difficult schedule? Maybe not, but you know, the defense is going to be what it is. It it's uh, right. I think the rational take is to just enjoy the ride so long as you can enjoy it. Yeah, I I I think that's fair. I, I think that's definitely more than fair. Looking back at it, twenty nineteen. Uh, Oklahoma's first game was against Houston. They won 49-31. They gave up 31 points to Houston. Mind you, Houston's a pretty good team, so uh, maybe that's not the best comparison there. But uh, they've given up points early on, and we know that Lincoln Riley has only ever had a team that is um, a one-loss team in every regular season that he's had with the exception of 2020, the only other year uh, in which he didn't have... uh, Sorry, 2020 and 2021 both were two lost teams. The, so the, the fact of the matter is it is extremely difficult to outpace this USC offense and it will be yes. for every team. I know that the defense makes us all worry about the the Notre Dame, Utah, Oregon, Washington, UCLA of it all. But even those teams will have a very difficult time of outpacing this USC offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cameron says, is the wide receiver core for USC better than Ohio State's receiving core after week zero? Uh, and also go El Segundo, Little League World Champs. Yeah, hell of a win for El Segundo. Uh, they're named the second, but really they're the first after that one, I would say. Uh, the the walk-off shot. Can you imagine hitting a, a, a walk-off pumpy to win the World Series like that? <laughs> Not just the U.S. championship, which we all know is like whatever. It's truly the World Series, like to win it in a walk-off fashion. I'm almost sad for the kid. It's like 12 and <laughs> no, like he'll, he'll, no. he'll never top that in Absol- his life. Absolutely it's, not. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's, it's incredible. Uh, but wide receiver core, I, clearly SC's is better. No one else, no other, no <laughs> other team is, is better. Ohio State hasn't even played yet. Zero catches on the season. Zach Branch, Zachariah Branch. Sorry. We, we learned after we recorded the car cast that he prefers to be referred to as Zachariah. Mm-hmm. Um, which as, shame on me, by the way. I said like married, Zach Branch like nine times in in the car cast, and as a person married to a Michael who does not like being called Mike, uh, we will respect Zachariah Branch's wishes <laughs> on true. this. Yeah. Um, Zachariah Branch puts USD a hell of a lot closer to the argument with Ohio State. Uh, the problem is Ohio State's top end talent at wide receiver is is really really ridiculous. Um, USC is as close as, as anybody's going to come, I think, to being able to say that they uh, can go to go toe to toe with that with that wide receiver core um, pound for pound. But yeah, those, those are the two best receiving cores in the country, hands down. I don't think anybody else uh, is on that level. The good news is I don't think it matters if you're one or two. No, if you're that no, good. Like, you're that like, good. Yeah. If you're in the tier, you're in the tier. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. Um, SC is loaded at wide receiver. That's the that's the that's the most important part. Um, absolutely. Uh, let's go to a uh, comment that LA Fred had. It said with all the criticism of the defense, FYI, last year SC allowed two point eight points per drive. Uh, San Jose State averaged two point one points per drive. Just perspective from last year. Yes, I hear you. The caveat to this is 
USC did that over the course of the whole season? It, while playing teams well, like Utah and UCLA. And yes. Notre, yeah. And San Jose State, even though Chevin Cordero, I think, is a perfectly good, experienced quarterback who is not going to make a lot of mistakes. He made one mistake in this game that was a pick that didn't even cost him because it was dropped. Um, yeah. He still is probably the eighth or ninth best quarterback USC will face on the schedule. So there's better offenses to be played. Yes. Um, David Orange County. Hey, Rotbots, episode 499. Wow, congrats, Alicia and Michael. You don't look a day over episode 222. <laughs> it's wild. It's wild. That's all I'll say. Yeah. The, the the weird thing is, the episode count has, like, really crawled. I was looking at something recently, and, like, as recently as, like, three seasons ago, we were, like, already in the episode 400s or something like that. Like, it really is sort of slowed down. Because I think we, we count the, the episode titles differently than maybe originally. We've done off-seasons where we've still done two episodes a week, though. Yeah. And, where this off-season, we, 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 we now drop down to, to, one. to one episode a week, so. Yeah. Uh, 100%. Um, on MC says, I, I think the COVID lockdown made people lazy to attend games. Yes, and this is one of the things that I always talk about when the question of like sports league strikes and that kind of thing, like when when it's the when it's possible that a season will get will not happen because of a uh, uh, you know labor disputes or or whatever it is, like the dangerous thing that leagues and players and everybody involved always needs to consider is that if you let people find out that they can live without a thing that's bad and it's partly the covid lockdown it's partly so the covid season where there were no fans in the stands um it's partly the clay helton of it all where people just yeah. didn't stop stopped enjoying games and so they stopped going to games and then realized that like oh if i don't pay attention to usc football then my saturdays are free Mm -hmm. uh, I don't have to deal with this, that, and the other thing. Like, it's also the economic side. The, the economics, all of this kind of stuff. Yeah, you have, you, you, you're not spending the money, all that kind of stuff. So, like, if you are a sports league or a sports team, never let people realize that they can indeed live without you. And I say that as a massive sports fan who loves USC, who loves sports, all that kind of thing. But, like, realistically, as much as... I couldn't dream of a September without USC football in 2020. I found out that the the world kept going on and my life kept going on in September of 2020 without USC football. Like, eh. you know, I mean, to a point. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you. I I also think that like we're in a world where do you even remember that baseball had a strike last year? No, I right. mean, like, yeah, I mean, I, I do because I I, do. I think that. Yes, I, I, I think that fans remember these things. At the same time, I think that we also move on from these things quickly. Yes, no, and, absolutely. But it, it just is sort of a, a, it's a thing where, you know, you reduced the number of seats in the Coliseum, which meant you reduced, you had people who decided not to up re-up their season tickets because 
doing so would have required them to pay a fee or all that, like a seat, you know, the seating fee or all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And when they decided to do that, they might've initially thought like, well, oh, I'll just buy tickets, you know, on a week to week basis. And then they yeah. don't buy tickets on a week to week basis because as Malcolm in the chat says, life sports are mad expensive. And then the yeah. economy makes it, you know, your dollar doesn't go as far, <laughs> you know, today as it did five years ago. And right. all that, like all of these things. And yeah, come shout together. out to Irvine Cattle Ranch. There was a, there was a lockout, not a strike. Uh, yeah, that's right. Lockout, lockout strike. I mean, again, it's the verbiage. It's which it's which side right. is causing the games to not be played. Is well, the, in in actuality, it's also which side wants to have the upper hand for what? Yeah. Yes, you can you can put it as a as a as a lockout and end up looking like the strong man. Yeah. Um. Yeah. The um. Yeah. I, the I I get that the criticism that there are the criticisms with the Coliseum. I I fully get that part. Um, I like the renovation. I'm, I'm. So do I. Um, I think it I, looks great. I, I, I think so too. I also think that like, if the Coliseum was renovated ten years ago, fifteen years ago, twenty years ago during the P. Carroll stuff, does that change things there? I don't. I don't know that it completely does. I, I think. I think more than anything is the, the product at home is very good in terms of the home experience is very good there's a lot of people you talk about your dad all the time Mm -hmm. that likes to watch games at home instead and so i think the reality is the people who are going to games um in the p carroll era uh who would have been there in 2012 for that uh opener against hawaii um when you add the little factors which is the tv experience is better than it's ever been and games are just a little bit more expensive. Um, parking's a little bit harder to come by. All these little factors adds up. And you also add in that that whoever this imaginary person is is maybe older. Maybe they have kids now. Maybe mm-hmm. they have whatever these these things are. It make it could make it more likely for them to to not come. But this is where I push back on the idea of there's 15 million people within like a two hour drive. Yes. So for every one of those people, there's a person who was 12 years old in 2012 and now has, you know, discretionary funds to be able to buy the ticket. Yeah. But we're also talking about a generation of students who didn't have a ton of interest in the football team because right. the football team. Wasn't that always weird? You, you go to, I, I, before I went to SC, I thought that every single student was this rabid fan. Mm-hmm. And then you go to SC as a student. It's like people don't And care. then you realize that like yeah. in this class I'm in, maybe 20% know the quarterback's name. Yeah. But also, which is weird. But again, but then the it team makes has sense. To, you're at a university. Not everybody is this. Yeah, but the team also has to give people like give people a reason to go. Like for sure. instance, the my first year going to to USC games as a student, we had to get there four hours before the game in order to get seats. Mm-hmm. To get not great seats, by the way. Right. You know, just a few years later, I could turn up 15 minutes before the game and get seats I couldn't have dreamed of getting. Mm-hmm. That first, so like, again, it's 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 about the general interest and everything like that. And then you have like all of those people graduated. Do they have the liquid cash to put into uh, put into going to USC games in, in in the current economy? Maybe not. Do they have the interest that was built during their days as students? Definitely not. Like, 
you know, there's a lot of factors. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I I just I just wish that people didn't have the ammo of taking the picture that gets tweeted yeah. out from the press box of all the empty seats. And then, but I'm done going to defending. Twitter and jerking off about it. About oh, look at Riley going to the mecca, and he makes bad barbecue, and oh, yeah. and I'm just, I'm done defending USC fans and attendance. The only thing I will defend USC about is that stupid tweet picture that's going around of like, look at the section three hundred three obstructed view where you can't even see the field. Like, bruh. They don't sell those tickets. Go on StubHub. That section is not available. Like, it, it, it's very transparent what you are doing, but that's fine. Whatever. Yeah. That's sure. just an annoyance over people actively, like, spreading misinformation. Wait, hold on. Are you, are you saying people make bad people on, arguments people on, on Twitter? Media? People on Twitter <laughs> take pictures that are uh, <laughs> maybe not the most truthful? Yeah. Uh, Remember, Murdy says, besides Zachariah, what are you most pleasantly surprised about? Marshawn Lloyd. Um, Mm -hmm. When I talked about doing my rewatch and being impressed by the players that I was impressed with on on initial watch, um, I was impressed with Marshawn Lloyd. I was even more impressed impressed with him uh, looking looking back, going back over it. the, that dude that I, I wrote in my notes somewhere that he's like one of those um, metal balls and in, in one of those pendulum swings where you see the ball hit hit the other one and you just like see the energy transfer from mm-hmm. the ball that got hit to the to the other one like he gets hit and you see the energy transfer back into the defender you see the tra- the the energy transfer into the next defender who's in like it's it's incredible. I'm so excited to see him uh, to see him just eat this year and knocking on all wood because um, at South Carolina, it was never a question of his talent. He had a lot of injury issues, so just like wrap him up in cotton and 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 bubble wrap and and everything you can do, you know, put him in a bubble or anything like that to keep him from getting injured because I want to see him have a full healthy season and i think he's gonna do incredible things yeah i i i think so too i think that's a that's a good pull um i think another guy that i was pleasantly surprised about um on on defense was the collection of the the young talent i think on the defensive line i, I think that bear alexander to, to the bear looked good i i thought anthony lucas in the first play got to run stuff um he had his moments. I thought, you know, Solomon Bird with that sack that he um, teamed up with with Bear Alexander with, like Bear Alexander. I don't want to get ahead of myself because he no. is very young. He is not the finished article yet. There is clearly parts of his game that he needs to build up and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's not fair to compare him to somebody who, when he arrived at USC, Uh-oh. was a full grown man who transformed a USC defense. I, I actually think this is a case of optimistic Alicia, but Bear Alexander could be the kind of physical presence in the middle for USC that Stevie T was. You think I'm crazy? No, I, I just, I, I kind of expect, and maybe this changes, maybe this will be more so on offense than defense. Um, and maybe this is just because, you know, we just need to see it shake out more. Um, I, kind of expect that there's just going to be a lot of rotation, especially early on that I don't know that we get to a point where we can sit here and 
say that there is a guy who's going to have 60 snaps on the defensive line. And I don't think Bear Alexander is capable of, ha- of doing that yet. And, and yeah, maybe, maybe that, 60 is extreme. 50, yeah. you, you know what I mean? No, right? no, like, I, I know what you mean. And, and, and that's sort of why I said, like, I don't know that Bear, I don't know that you can lean on Bear Alexander quite that much yet. But just the the size and the power and the just yeah bowling people over like Malcolm in the chat says bare ceiling is is mad higher oh, than CBT's. Uh, yeah, yes, yes, yes abs- I, absolutely. Is, is ceiling but I, is, but I think when what you're I'm saying about impact, is having a player of that capability in the center of your defense makes life yeah. easier for literally everybody. CBT's value was more than his production. Right, yes. like his value was more than the player that he was, um, and that's not to take anything away from the player that he was. Right, like the value is, you know, your your value can 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 fluctuate. Right, like yeah. Um, on on the in the flip side of this, you have a million great receivers. Right, in terms of value to the team, that lowers the value of the team that all those individual talents are. Um, in just a you know mathematical sense, like that, it sounds. No, my my sounds my wrong, broader but like point just, is it, it makes sense. The right? 2016 defense is half of what it was if it does not have CBT anchoring the line. Yeah, you need to have an anchor in your defense, and USC has not had a a, a nose tackle or interior defensive lineman capable of anchoring the defense in that way. Yeah, since Stevie Tuikolavatu left. I thought you were say George Uko. <laughs> well, I mean, that's the that's the kind of player that you need, though. And uh, USC has been searching for that guy for a long time and has not had them. And yeah, I'm I'm not trying to get ahead of myself on Bear Alexander, but like that's the that's the 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 defensive interior defensive pres- presence that uh, that USC has been missing. Yeah, for sure. Uh, all right, um, SC and uh, Nevada are coming up on. Saturday, we will preview that on Wednesday. This will be all that we have discussed about San Jose State. Uh, as always, you can email us, reignoftroy at fanside.com. You can give us a phone number uh, or a phone call over at uh, the rant line, 818-643-7227. Suck it, what's Bruin show? Um, Jake gave us a long call. I was going to play it, but he, still a long, angry call from from our friend Jake. I, I should have I got it ready to play it at the <laughs> end here. Um, mostly just upset that we didn't say second watch Bruin show. Um, I, it's hard because I need to remember the number. Like I, I can, it's not one USC anymore. It's not as easy. It's seven two two seven. So I yeah. need to like okay. hit the mark. Eight one eight six four three seven two two seven. Suck at what's Bruin show. Something about the whole like little brother complex. It's like <laughs> they they just want to be want 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 to be. Um, you know, slandered on the internet, I guess. So, all right. Uh, we love you guys. Thanks for joining us as always. If you join us here on YouTube, uh, we appreciate you. Be sure to like the, like the video, um, hit the like button. Uh, that helps us grow the show. Uh, that's super important to us as we continue to sort of do our thing. And, uh, we'll appreciate the love. Uh, be sure to give us uh, your review over on Apple Podcasts as well. You can also join us. Join us. Become a member uh, for $4.99. You get all of our bonus content, including Thursday night, late night streams that we're putting out. Uh, we in Detroit after dark every Thursday night, 9 p.m. Members-only videos on YouTube that we're super pumped about that include... 
the ability to call in. You can call in and be a caller. It'll be fun live. It's like calling in the rant line, but it's live. So you can like rant with us and talk mm-hmm. to us about your day or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. It's it's your show. Take give the us, thing over. Give us your Alex Grinch rant. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, but yeah, you, you can do that by joining us live uh, here on YouTube for our members only shows. Uh, but we'll be back Wednesday for a uh, show for everybody to join us. Uh, Wednesday, 5 p.m. Looking at USC and Nevada, which will play on Saturday night. Um, until then, we will see ya. See ya. See ya. See ya. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound. All with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.